to ask, uh, would you or would I be known as a person given to prayer? Is there fruit in my life that would, would give evidence to me being a man or a woman of prayer? <clears throat> or on the other hand, would I be known maybe as a person who worries and who is uh, fearful and frets? I don't think the two go together quite. Uh, being given, a, given to prayer has a way of showing up, doesn't it, in our lives, one way or the other. Being given to prayer also reveals our relationship with our Heavenly Father. How well do we know God? How do we view Him? Do we see Him as a loving Heavenly Father that wants us to come to Him? The truth is that we tend to pray in harmony with our view of, of God, who God is, and our relationship with Him. So in our text today, Jesus is coming back to this uh, all-important subject of prayer. He talks about that so much. But here uh, he's teaching his fo followers again on this, this subject. Let's look now at Matthew 7, verses 7 through 11. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks the door will be opened. Which of you, if, he, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? In this text, I think we clearly see that God promises he will respond to our prayers. And we see here pretty quickly three dimensions of prayer. <clears throat> and I, I see a, a progression of intensity in these three dimensions. We go from asking to seeking to knocking. And uh, you think about that, Elsie pointed this out to me that there's an acronym there. Did you think about that? Ask. Ask, seek, knock. A-S-K. So just one easy way to remember that. And in each of these dimensions, uh, we see a result. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. And knock and the door will be opened to you. So the question is, do we be really believe that? I think we have to acknowledge right up front that it's true that our prayers are not always answered in the way that we ask them. We don't always get exactly what we, are, what we ask for. And it's not always on our timetable either. <clears throat> uh, sometimes he tells us just to continue asking and seeking and knocking. But he does, he does say that he will answer. Sometimes the answer is no. I have something else for you. I have something better for you. But he does tell us to ask, and that's pretty simple, right? We can all do that. We can make requests of God. That's, that's what it is, just simply making our requests known to God. And verse 8 tells us that everyone who asks receives. <clears throat> but do we even bother to ask? Do we, even, do we think that maybe we're just bothering God by asking him? 
Or are we so self-satisfied that we don't need anything? We don't need to ask. A few years ago, I asked uh, Elsie's brother, youngest brother, Sam, to help me out with something. And uh, he said, Glenn, you haven't asked. Well, first, let me just say this. If you know Elsie's family, they're, they're always willing and ready to jump in and do whatever. <laughs> they're all that way. But Sam's response to me was, Glenn, you haven't asked me for anything in a long time. I'd be glad to do that. And he was, he was actually pleased that I asked him. And I got the feeling that he was maybe a little bit miffed that I haven't asked him before. Uh, but I had to wonder, is that how God feels about us sometimes? How long has it been since you asked him for what you need? There's a song, uh, my wife would tell me that I should sing it, but I'm not going to. I'm not going to do that, I guess. How long has it been since you talked with the Lord and told him your heart's hidden secrets? Probably all know that song, right? How long since you prayed? How long since you stayed on your knees till the light shone through? We could ask that question of ourselves. God's word is full of promises about prayer. Jeremiah 33, 3. God says, call to me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. James 1, verse 5 through 8, if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. But when he asks, he must believe and, and not doubt because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That man should not think that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man and unstable in all he does. So is this our mode of operation? <clears throat> the very first thing we do when we have a need is that we ask God. Or do we think that we, don't, we shouldn't bother him with with these things, with our needs. Or maybe nagging in the back of our minds is, does God even care? And I can assure you that he does. He cares deeply about every one of our needs and he wants us to come. Philippians 4, 6 through 7, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, Present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. I had to think of uh, when I was probably 15 years old, maybe 16, I'm not sure. Our family had traveled to Iowa to visit relatives, and uh, we were at Uncle George's farm. And they were making hay. Uh, my cousin Lynn was, <clears throat> was raking hay. So I, I jumped on the tractor with him. And we made rounds and uh, all the way around the hay field, raking the hay into windrows. And when we were finished, we came back up to the house. And I all of a sudden discovered my bill. I don't have my billfold. And guess where it was? 
I had been riding on the tractor with leaning up against the fender and somehow it slipped out and it was out there in the hayfield in one of those windrows. <clears throat> and I remember uh, praying. I don't know if I prayed, if we prayed out loud or what. I remember praying, Lord, help us find that billfold. I had just gotten my driver's permit or something, and it was very important to me, of course. <laughs> and so, you know, we, we walked out into the, into the hay field and got to about the fourth or fifth windrow, and there was a billfold right in the side of the, one of those windrows. just popped right out. And I just thank the Lord. You know, how does something like that ever happen? But uh, Have you noticed how it is with us as believers that uh, as long as everything's going well, uh, in quotes, we tend not to pray very much. But it, it's until we get into great difficulty or we lose something of value, maybe we lose our health, our finances, etc., then we cry out to God. <clears throat> Someone has said that prayerlessness is my declaration of independence from God. In reality, prayerlessness is saying, I don't really need God. I can just make it, I can make it fine on my own. We know that we we know that we need to pray to get saved, right? We, we, we cry out to God to save us, but then from then on we just kind of coast along and we don't continue to depend on the Lord for everything like we should. But is this a blanket promise? Whatever we ask, we will receive. That's what it says, right? But I think we have to understand some things too about God that uh, maybe there's something that you personally are praying for right now but that prayer has not yet been answered. Maybe you're praying for somebody to be saved or praying for victory over a certain temptation or a vice, some besetting sin in, in your life. And I think this is where we are, where we are tested. When the answer doesn't come right away, God is testing us? Do we just throw up our hands and say, I'll give, I'm, I'm going to quit praying? Well, I certainly don't have this thing of prayer figured out, but I believe that God wants us to dig deeper. When the answer doesn't come right away, just dig deeper. So that brings us to the second dimension of prayer, which is to seek. We go from asking to now seeking, which is a bit more intense. Verse 8 tells us then that he who seeks finds. <clears throat> when the answer doesn't come immediately, don't give up. Just move on to seeking. Uh, we seek the Lord and we search our hearts. Jeremiah 29, 13 says, you will seek me and find me when? When you seek for me with all your heart. Am I seeking the Lord with all my heart? Seeking the Lord can be hard work. I don't know, I find it that way. It in, because it involves our entire being. It's giving our all to him in, in trust and obedience. James 4 verse 8 reads, Come near to God and he will come near to you. 
Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Wash your hands. Where have we heard that before? Uh, and use hand sanitizer while you're at it, right? Uh, and don't spread germs, but wash your hands. Uh, but it, this is talking about an inner cleansing. We need to have our hearts cleansed. I, I'm going to be talking about some conditions for answered prayer. I guess that's what, really what this message is about. What are the, some of the conditions for answered prayer? And we need to get rid of all known sin. If you know something in your life that's not right, I don't think we can expect that the Lord's going to, if we don't take care of that, I don't think we're in the right position to receive the, the answer. Get rid of distractions. And we are a distracted people, right? It's hard for us to sit still for a few moments in prayer because we get texts and we get all kinds of things coming at us and we need to respond to those. But it's hard for this generation, or I shouldn't say this generation, me too. It's hard for our culture to sit still and just focus on, on the Lord and getting rid of distractions and meditating and praying. Isaiah 59, verses 1 through 3, Surely the arm of the Lord is not too short to save, nor his ear too dull to hear, but your iniquities have separated you from your God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. That's pretty clear. For your hands are stained with blood, your fingers with guilt, your lips have spoken lies, and your tongue mutters wicked things. I don't believe this is saying that we can somehow earn God's favor so that he will our answer our prayers, but it's, because it's always the blood of Jesus that gives us access into the throne room that brings us with confidence into the presence of God. It's the blood of Jesus. But we, can also, we need to position ourselves to receive uh, answers to our prayers. We don't earn that right, but we can put ourselves in the right position. God has, does have certain conditions, I believe, that must be met before prayer can be answered. The question we need to ask ourselves is, Lord, is there something in my life that hinders my prayer? James says in uh, chapter 4, verse 2 and 3, you want something, but you don't get it. You kill and covet, but you cannot have what you want. You quarrel and fight. <clears throat> you do not have because you do not ask God. And when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. Jesus says in John 14, 13, I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may ask me for anything in, in my name, and I will do it. John 15, verse 7, Jesus says, If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be given to you. <clears throat> I think we should examine our hearts now in, in light of those scriptures. Uh, is what I am asking God for according to his will? And what about my motives? Will, who, who will get the glory if this prayer is answered?
Sometimes we pray for certain things to make ourselves look good, right? Not instead of giving glory to God. Am I abiding in Christ and walking in obedience as far as I know? Is there any area in my life, I think we need to ask, is there any area in my life where I am holding out on God? Or maybe I'm a little bit angry with God. God doesn't always fit what I think he should be, how he should be. Has God called me maybe to something that I am unwilling to yield? The Bible is, I think the Bible is clear that if we're covering sin in our lives, we can't really expect him to answer our prayers. One of the biggest hindrances to, to prayer is our relationship with others. And this kind of gets us where we all feel the rub, I think, sometimes, and this speaks to me as well. Jesus taught us to pray, forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. So there, it's telling us, I think, that if we refuse to forgive others who have wronged us, God will not hear us. And I think that's one of the most difficult as aspects of prayer, forgiveness, of forgiving another person. And I think that means to soften our hearts toward them, to give that up. Whatever offense has taken place, we just soften our hearts toward them and and just uh, love them, yield them to the Lord. I think this, well, I guess maybe, you know, when it comes to prayer, we're praying and seeking the Lord and asking him, you know, to show us areas of our lives. Maybe a certain individual pops into your mind, and this, you know, you know if there is that happening in your life. Um, and... We usually know if there is someone that we have not been able to forgive. And I think the Lord is, you know, showing us. You need to let that, we need, to, I need to let that go. The husband and wife relationship, I think, comes into this uh, in effective prayer. What makes for effective prayer? Maybe a question for us as husbands and wives, uh, are, you, are you open and free with each other and praying together? Do you pray together? I found that really strengthening in our, our relationship to just be able to pray together each, each evening and be open before one another and before, before God. 1 Peter 3 tells how Christian wives are to win their husbands to the Lord, and it's not by, it's not by talking, right? But it's by living a, a godly life through personal godliness. And then verse 7 addresses husbands. Do you remember this one? It says, Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. That's speaking to us as husbands. If we want to get serious about prayer, we need to... Uh, clear our hearts of anything that's going to hinder our prayers. Effective prayers, praying effectively, touches every area of our lives. Sometimes it seems, maybe I'm pushing this envelope a little too far, but sometimes it seems that we, or I, I should say I, 
prefer talking to other people rather than to God, or talking about other people to people rather than talking to God. And it, it shows up in our, it shows, it has a way of showing up, whether we are given to prayer or given to these other things. Effective prayer is not so much having all the right words to say, but effective prayer is from the heart. And you can tell when somebody is praying from the heart and yielding it all to him. James 5.16 says, The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. God wants us to have intensity and persistence, passion uh, in prayer. If we don't care very much about something, why should we expect God to care, but care that much about it? These days we hear a lot of things that bring fear and trembling to our minds, uh, to our hearts. Uh, and I'm sure there's a lot of things that come to your mind today. We've had health, con uh, health concerns among us. A few years ago, uh, my friend uh, Pablo was struggling with a, a heart condition that uh, required surgery. And... I knew that uh, his father had died of a heart attack, <clears throat> and I was concerned about him. And I knew I knew better to say this, but I said I told Pablo. I said I'm worried about you. And he came back right away. He says, "Why worry when you can pray?" And that was kind of a rebuke. <clears throat> but why do we worry when we can pray? Many people were praying, and Pablo came through that heart surgery and is doing well. Uh, but that doesn't always work out that way, right? But we still give it to the Lord and, and trust him. Do you feel that you have met all the conditions for answered prayer, and yet they are still not answered? And we feel like we're not getting through, like there's a ceiling that our prayers just aren't, aren't moving beyond. We have asked, we are seeking, and now Jesus tells us to knock and the door will be opened. Keep knocking until the door is opened. And what do we find behind that door? I guess here's, to me, uh, kind of the critical point of this. Behind the door is the entrance into the throne room of God through Jesus Christ. The presence of the great king, we're entering into his presence, which is the greatest reward of all. There's no greater reward than to be in his very presence. Turn with me, if you, maybe just keep your fingers in your Bible, but uh, turn with me to Hebrews chapter 4. <clears throat> verses 14 through 16. Here we're seeing Jesus as the great high priest. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has gone through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. And in verse 16, 
Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. I love that. We come into the presence of God to receive mercy and grace to help us in our time of need. We don't always get what we ask for, but we have the presence of God to give us grace and, and mercy. And that's the best thing about prayer, I think, just to put us in that place through that open door. Really, that's what prayer is all about, is it not? Why do we pray? It's not always just to get what we want, but it's to put us in a position where we are in the presence of the Lord and experiencing his mercy and grace. It's about having a trusting relationship with the Father. It's about being at peace with God so that we know that when he returns, we are ready to go or when he calls us, calls us home. It's putting everything in his hands and trusting him for the outcome. Turning back now to where we started in Matthew chapter 7, reading uh, verse 9 through 11. Which of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? What he's saying here, I believe, is that even as earthly fathers, earthly, we as earthly fathers, we like to give good gifts to our children, right? We want to give them good things, yet you as a parent don't always give your child everything they ask for, right? <laughs> I hear too many amens about that, but... Uh, we don't give our children everything they ask for because we know that's not good for them. And it wouldn't be good for them. I remember as a, as a boy, maybe you have a hard time believing this, but I used to badger my parents a lot about certain things. I just thought I had to have the privilege of doing this or going somewhere. I, this just popped in my mind. I remember uh, this was on a Halloween night. I, I wanted to go uptown to be with my friends. And I didn't say anything about Halloween, but my parents figured it out and said, no, you're not going. So that was the end of that. But parents sometimes see things that we as children don't, and they don't always give them everything that they ask. Uh, so children can put on a lot of pressure sometimes. I was one of those that did that. Uh, but. Parents need to stand firm because you know what is, what is best. And now I, I see that my parents did know better. But what we're getting to here is that even the best human father uh, is not like God. God is, how much more is God a good, loving father? And he wants to give us good things. He doesn't always give us what we ask for. Sometimes he says no. Sometimes he says, I have something better for you, something else, something different. Um, and our attitude should be always, not my will, but yours be done. One prayer that we can pray with absolute confidence, we know that it is the will of God, and that, it, that is that people will be saved. First Peter, Second Peter 3, verse 9 the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, 
as some understand slowness. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. It's God's will that everyone come to repentance. We can pray that with confidence and never stop praying that. If you have someone in your heart right now that needs the Lord, just, just keep praying. It's God's will for them to be prayed. He, it's saved. He wants that. A few years ago, uh, we had prayed for Elsie's brother, Sam. I referred to earlier uh, for Sam to come to the Lord. And Sam was always a nice guy. If, if you knew him, he was, he was always fun to be around. He would come to family gatherings, but for a long time he was not a believer. And our sons were, were still at home, young uh, boys at home, and old enough to help pray for Uncle Sam. And we kept praying, and some of us talked with, with him about his soul. And finally, when, he, when Sam was in his early 30s, he came home to his mother and said, I'm ready to receive the Lord. And together they got down on their knees and Sam repented and gave his heart to the Lord. And today he loves the Lord and is serving him. And has a, a wonderful family. So don't give up praying. Keep, keep on asking, seeking, and knocking. And I'm sure you all know somebody that needs the Lord. Just keep on. So am I a person given to prayer and seeing results of that in my life? Someone has said that what a man is on his knees before God that he is, nothing more, nothing less. Do we have an un uncompromising conviction for prayer? Am I a praying, am I given to prayer? Are we a praying church or just a church that prays? See the difference? Does prayer permeate everything we do or just something that we do once in a while? seems that lately our, our church, our congregation here has been uh, just inundated with prayer needs. Lots of prayer needs. And sometimes I think we should have a special prayer meeting just for that. I shouldn't say just for that. We should have a special prayer meeting to talk about, pray for the needs that we have. Um, is God testing us <clears throat> about our attitude of prayer? Do we sense the urgency? Do we sense the absolute need of prayer? We, we need to pray. I think the greatest need in churches today is for prayer. Not everyone is called to preach. Not everyone is called to teach. Not everyone is called to sing or whatever, whatever you think. But we are all called to pray. And it's something that we should all do. Every one of us can pray. And that's the most important thing you can do. And I trust that, that we are doing that and will continue. Let's bow for prayer. <clears throat> Father, we thank you so much for the, the privilege, the wonderful privilege that it is for us as your children to come to you in prayer, knowing that you want us to come, to ask, to seek, and to keep knocking until we are in your presence and experiencing your grace and, and your your peace. We don't always 
get what we ask for, but we trust you and we say, uh, not my will, but yours be done. We have many needs among us here and, and uh, beyond this church, the walls of this church, we just want to lift them all to your throne and continue to, to be a people of prayer and seeking your face. We thank you so much for, for what you are doing and what you will do. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand for the closing benediction, and you are dismissed. <clears throat> now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Go in peace.